Okay, you're an animal. Yes, there we go. You're a tiger. You're Tony the tiger. You're great. Good morning and welcome to episode 264 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh and joining us from a terminal in LAX (laughs) is Zachary Levine. Zachary, how are you? I am good. I am uh, about an hour and a half away from takeoff and uh, I apologize for any pages or this uh, incessant background (laughs) music. It's a part of the territory here well sam usually likes to go hour 45 hour hour 50 on these things but we'll we'll see if we can keep it short (laughs) enough for you to make your flight thank you Mm -hmm. how how was your wedding wonderful uh i think we have to clarify that it was not my wedding it was a (laughs) wedding i was attending but uh it was very nice great all right and you've brought a topic today right yes i wanted to throw out there Four questions for you guys, all about Miguel Cabrera, since he seems to be a pretty big topic these days. And it is four questions predicting the future. Uh, A question about one month out, 10 years out, 15 years out, and 50 years out about Miguel Cabrera. (laughs) Ask me me 100 years out and I've got it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Ben, do you yeah. have a topic? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually also talking about the Tigers, as it happens, and their World Series odds. Um, and I guess mine is uh, maybe just if I'm... I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get to mine. I, and I'm not sure I'm comfortable saying it. So we'll get to mine if we get to mine, okay? Okay. Uh, right, I like so, that you guys have me on for the gambling show, by the way. Yeah, this is. I was. I was going to say you will. I'm sure you'll have something to add to this. And by the way, this is this appearance is really a, a victory lap for you. Uh, after the hidden ball trick was pulled off this past weekend by the team that you predicted and and that we we cited your prediction last week, I think uh, that that it would be the race, and it was. Uh, so well yeah. done. Thank you. And I was watching live. Uh, I was watching that game on on Fox and if, I don't know if you were watching the announcers were just baffled as to what happened they thought yeah, they the guy got left early. called out for leaving early and then they showed the replay and talked about what a terrible call it was yes. and then I assume I assume one of the producers or somebody in the truck just got in their ear about hey that's not what they called but uh, <laughs> you know, it was not it was not the Fox broadcast finest moment today uh, today I watched 48 box and uh, one of the things that was interesting is how often the announcer has no idea what has happened. In some cases, entire at-bats later, they have not noticed a Bach was called, it, believe it or not. I mean, this is going to be hard for you to believe, but I swear to you it's true. I mean, I watched games where there would be a Bach called, Bach called, a pitch would be nullified, the runners would move up. In one case, the runner scored, and an entire <laughs> batter later, I finally turned it off without the announcers having noticed that everybody had changed positions. And it, baseball is—is is baseball the only sport where the people who are uh, who are hired to explain it to you have no uh, direct line to the field? Basically, like they—they they basically have. Uh, it, there are instances like this where they just have no idea what has happened. They're—they're. They're, they're, they're watching from the same seat as everybody else. They don't have any particular extra communication with the umpire or the dugout. And so occasionally there are these wonderful instances where they just, like, can't can't help you. And, like, does that happen in football? I don't think so. I think in in football everything, everything that has to be announced is announced by an official with a microphone. 
seems like yeah. I mean, it seems like in foot. I mean, there are those times where the announcer just can't see the right field corner or the left field corner or something and doesn't really know what happened immediately. But in football, there's so much stuff going on in the field, right? I mean, they must miss more, I would think, right? I mean, I guess after watching replays, uh, you pick up on things, but there. All of those players doing different things, and there's no way you can I, I, notice I, all yeah. of those things. Well, I mean more procedural, mm-hmm. procedural things. You know, things that are actually, uh, you know, recorded in the in the mm-hmm. you know in the events log, basically. Right. Well, I I grew up listening to John Sterling, so I'm I'm used <laughs> I'm used to announcers not always knowing exactly what is going on on the field. Uh, so go go ahead with your. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, someone's getting paged to get on the flight to Australia right <laughs> yeah. now. But, go, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so, go I, I have a few different Miguel Cabrera topics, mostly because I, I couldn't decide on one. And, and I wanted you guys to weigh in and presumably agree, because that seems to be the way this show goes, <laughs> on uh, a couple of things, starting with one month in the future. Uh, will we see any controversy about Miguel Cabrera, who has had hip problems and who has had back problems and who is getting awfully close to a second straight triple crown, whether it, and talking about this is something that happens in football all the time, whether he sits or whether he plays in September, do you think that if he is, like right now he's, Two behind, two ahead of Chris Davis in uh, in RBIs. He's close to within five home runs of Chris Davis after homering in all three games against the Yankees, and then homering last night. And he has a, a huge lead in batting average. And I mean, going for a second straight triple crown is is pretty much. Uh, I mean, it would just you'd uh, write his induction into Cooperstown right there. Uh, do you think there will be any? Uh, issue with the Tigers trying to shut him down uh, as the season goes along, rest him, something like that, uh, knowing what kind of lead they have and uh, how fragile he is? Hmm. Uh, I would guess, I don't know, I, I would. I think maybe the fact that it's a second triple crown maybe changes that a little bit, that it's not a not a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-career accomplishment for him. It's something he did last season. Uh, yeah, but it's a it's a second straight triple crown. If this were yeah. six years later, I think your argument might have some some relevance. But I mean, two in a row. That's mm-hmm. a totally. I mean, baseball loves its 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 in a rows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, hmm. Well, I don't. Who would be who would be uh, hypothetically angry at him for for sitting? Because I mean, if he if he sits, it will just be in service of the team, right? He'll he'll be putting right. the team before himself. Uh, so I think Zachary's implying that the Tigers will want him to sit and that if he oh, I plays, see. and he will and he will want and he will that, want that either, to or, yeah. or his camp will want to or the I mean, fans of people who you know, people who make a big deal of the Triple Crown will will want to see if he can do it again. And that it will explicitly be in the service of uh, of stat chasing. And then when will we get to this issue that we get to the NFL in, in week 17 every year where, you know, guys are sitting and, and you know, is a guy going to get rusty going into the playoffs? How necessary is it for somebody to sit? You know, does he DH every other game in September? It's just sort of how you think they'll handle that. 
We, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's an issue. I think Miguel Cabrera gets to decide whether he plays. He's you know he's one of the I don't know maybe four or five guys in the game. Maybe there's a few more than that who essentially just gets to decide. I mean, we watched this with Albert Pujols where he played through an injury that would have sat you know every other player in the game basically. But you know the Angels don't particularly get to tell Albert Pujols uh, when to sit at this point. And I think Cabrera basically has reached that level. And if he goes for the Triple Crown, I don't think anybody's going to hold it against him. There might be, uh, you know, there will be a column or two here. But for the most part, um, you know, dude's out there having fun. And, you know, people people probably want to see him go for it. So I don't think we'll see any controversy. I don't even think the, I don't even think the Tigers will really bring it up. Yeah, I, I don't know. If it's, if it's just a case of, like, wanting to get him extra rest, I don't know if that there would be any controversy if he's actually playing through an injury where he's hobbling around the field and bleeding in the batter's box or something in pursuit of this milestone, then I could see that potentially becoming an issue. But if it's just a, a question of getting rest or not getting rest, because and we, we kind of see that at the end of seasons also, right, with teams that know they're in, um, whether it's better for them to to play everyone until the last day of the season so that their their timing is, is good and they... Uh, they don't kind of have a layoff where they forget how to play baseball or something before the playoffs or the other option of, of resting everyone and going in at full strength. Um, so that's that's something we, we see some debate about every year. But but yeah, I agree. It, it probably wouldn't be a huge story. All right. Ten so years, we'll, uh, ten years, we'll go into, ten the years into the future. Miguel Cabrera is currently 30 years old and he hit his 358th home run tonight. Will he finish his career with over or under 600 home runs? Hmm. Over. Uh, I think I'll go with, uh, yeah, I'll go with over. 242 okay. home runs from age 30 on is like, I mean, that's Raul Abanez, right? That's not that, that's not that big a deal. Oh, isn't Raul Ibanez an extreme case now? Yeah, you didn't. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame post thirty player, right? Median, median Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Medium. He is the median level for Hall of Famers post thirty. Uh-huh. So, like two forty two is how many? Um, well, Chipper I, I said ten Chipper. years, but you know, it could be a few more, a few less than that. Yeah. So from age thirty on. Oh, uh, shoot! I did from thirty on. It needs to be thirty one on, doesn't it? So from age 31 on, uh, there are, uh, you know, there are 26 guys, 27 guys who hit 242 from from 31 on. Although there's also guys who are active who uh, are very close. But you know, you're talking about yeah, Obanias has hit 244. Carlton Fisk, Craig, uh, Greg Nettles, um, Luis Gonzalez, Steve Finley. You know, guys who. Uh, you know, it's a combination of guys who were really good and didn't age all that great, or guys who were not that great but aged really well. Andres Galarraga hit 300, and you know, Palmero hit 375. And I don't know. Yeah, I say, I say he's, I say he gets six. Six seems pretty easy at this point. Yeah, I'll go okay. with six. Uh, Fifteen years in the future, we assume he will be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and as he is uh, elected or getting ready for his induction. Will the following line appear in any recaps of the event or previews of the event? Quote, you don't know me. I will kill you. 
I know all <laughs> of you, and I will kill you and blow this place up. End quote. And I guess I'll explain that. That's, uh, I think, 2010, uh, what uh, Cabrera was alleged to have said uh, as part of a, uh, a drunk driving arrest and, uh, and uh, sort of an angry event at a bar. And uh, it's sort of been forgotten about, in my opinion, three years later that uh, that I know as much as we all talk about all the steroid talk leads to a, a lot of this, you know, why don't we ever talk about drunk driving and, and things like that? It seems like there is certainly this major thing out here, like a, a really awful event that we seem to uh, maybe we've forgiven uh, or just forgotten about because he's hit a bunch of home runs or our memory is short. Uh, is that something that you still associate with him? And, uh, and do you think uh, should be a bigger deal like we hold the steroid guys to or, or anything like that? I'm not sure that would, I'm not sure that line would be in his, in his career obituary if he retired today. Uh, it, it seems like it has been kind of forgotten. I think it's surfaced, uh, now and then during the MVP debate last year, just because you had the, the people making the character clause argument. I think Colin Wires might have written something for BP about this, actually. Um, he did, yeah. Yeah, right. And, uh, and so he was making the, the argument that it, that it doesn't make sense to sweep this under the rug if you're going to hold other people accountable for other things. Of course, that wasn't something he did during his MVP season, but... Uh, I guess it would be relevant for a Hall of Fame debate if you're inclined to consider that sort of thing. Do you think it ever cost him a vote? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I doubt it. Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised. Uh, I was thinking about this actually, too, the other day, because it is something I still associate with him uh, almost immediately. When I think about him, it's one of the first things I think of. But uh, like you say, it's not really brought up and he's not, you know, he's not obviously what, you know, it's it's a lesser crime than uh, Josh Lukey, but is is sort of uh, accused slash pled out to. Uh, but I mean, it's not nearly the sort of venom when he walks into a game that you see with some other guys like Lukey. And I think it's good that there's not. I mean, it's a what you know what his his history with alcoholism. He did some awful things that that uh, were rightfully uh, judged harshly at the time. Um, but alcoholism's a, a hell of a thing. And I mean, if we if we assume that he went to rehab and got himself cleaned up, we should. I, I mean, I think that we should be a merciful a merciful people who um, you know forgives people when they get clean and congratulates them and rewards them for it. So to me, it's. To me, he's a great story. He's, um, I mean, it's no. Josh Hamilton has had about a billion magazine covers written about his sobriety, um, and just like Cabrera's uh, kind of crimes aren't really brought up, it's also not. It's not really held up what he has presumably done, which is get sober. Presumably, I mean, I honestly, who knows? Maybe, maybe he hasn't. But uh, if we assume that he has. Uh, it's a good thing. So I wouldn't put it in the I wouldn't put it in his Hall of Fame piece myself. Or you know I might say it was a turning point in his career because this was the off season before last year. So uh, it was a turning point in his career to some degree. Well said. And going ahead fifty years, will people then still put Mike Trout and Miguel Cabrera in the same <laughs> sentence? the way that 
50 years later, people of my parents and grandparents' generation still tell you if they were a Maze guy or a Mantle guy or a Duke Snyder guy, uh, whether there will the Mike Trout, Miguel Cabrera uh, sort of being tied at the hip based on uh, last year's MVP voting and, and maybe even this year's and, and the division of camps will, uh, will be a thing that remains and, and whether that's good, whether it's like Mantle and Mays or, you know, Affirmed and Aladar or Walter Johnson and Christy Mathewson or just these names that you sort of associate together. I'm going to say no. Uh, I would think... Just because the, their peaks will be sort of different times. Yeah, uh, right. I, I think, you know, Trout will be playing for a decade or close to a decade after Cabrera is out of the game, probably. And I think probably Trout would be lumped with, with Harper, I, I think, most naturally, or it seems like that that's likely, um, that he would be grouped with someone roughly his own age who was also kind of a, a phenom at the same time. And hopefully by that time, we won't still be talking about the 2012 MVP race, I hope. Um, but we're still talking about the 1941 MVP <laughs> race, aren't we? Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, it, yeah, I think that the fact that their careers don't really line up means that this is uh, that the People, when they look at the broader picture, won't won't really lump them together. To me, it's it would be much more like, I mean, I'm, uh, there wasn't a great race between Hank Aaron and Stan Musial, but you know, it would be like if they had one great race. I guess you could look at like 1957 when when Hank Aaron won the MVP award with 239 points, and Stan Musial was second with 230. And you know that that's about it. That's as close as an MVP vote gets. I don't know if there's been a closer MVP vote. It was probably a a, a hot topic with lots of hot takes at the time, and um, you know nobody lumps Aaron and Musial. Um, so my guess is that it, particularly because Trout does have the perfect uh, counterpart in Harper, mm-hmm. um, and and particularly because Trout and Harper so closely resemble Mays and and Mantle, that uh, I think that that narrative has. Uh, real legs and will be pushed hard forever. And I have no further questions unless you have something a hundred years in the future <laughs> you want to predict. <laughs> well, I'll be, well, I'll be smelly. I'll be gross. Well, I'll be dead. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, we offer World Series odds at Baseball Prospectus for the first time this season. Um, it's on our playoff odds report. And the Tigers have much better World Series odds, according to uh, our site, than any other team does. And people have been noticing this, and someone brought it up on our our Facebook group, and uh, another listener wrote in and asked about this. Uh, So according to our playoff odds report, as of Monday, uh, and I guess the Tigers lost, but as of Monday, they had a 25.5%. Uh, chance of winning the World Series, which, you know, is is sort of surprising given that we always talk about how the playoffs are a crapshoot and maybe the best teams don't really have that that great a chance of winning. And so you'd figure it's kind of one of one out of eight, even once you once you get to the playoffs. Um, but we're basically giving them a, a one out of four chance. And uh, Zachary, you seem like the sort of man who might know what the what the Vegas odds of this are. Do you? I looked a few days ago. I wanted to mostly. I wanted to see how much Vegas was reacting to 
what the Dodgers were doing mm-hmm. and whether uh, whether they were getting, I guess, a whole bunch of money in on the Dodgers, which would make them lower the odds. And the Tigers were still the favorites, which I think speaks to more than anything to the fact that the next few teams were all National League teams, um, just with your chances of uh, of winning the World Series being your chances of making it there times what's basically 50%. So it's pretty much proportional to your chances of making it there. And uh, I think the uh, the NL field was seen as a little bit tighter, uh, that there was a lot coming in on, on the Braves with their uh, recent success mm-hmm. and on the, the Dodgers. I think I want to say the Tigers were were something like 6-1, to one, mm-hmm. um, and which is... Uh, I guess what you would want to get if you thought there was about a one in eight chance, you're never going to get seven to one on it with a house edge. And the, um, the Dodgers and the Braves, I think were next. So I think in both systems, the, the Tigers benefit from a, from, uh, their enormous division lead, which, uh, which the Braves have too. Uh, but also just, uh, just how much, uh, tighter the NL field is seen as being. Mm-hmm. Uh, so according to our playoff odds report, then our listeners should should withdraw their life savings, right, and just go go bet on the Tigers to win the World Series. Then, I guess yeah, that would be if, the smart uh, move. If the number I'm quoting is correct, and and I can uh, I can put a comment in with uh, with one of the odds uh, in the morning or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one that I, I really noticed was uh, was how low uh, the pirates were, how long the pirates' odds were, how much uh, how much more you would get by betting on the pirates successfully than uh, than I think even on the Cardinals. There's still uh, not a lot of respect being shown by the betters toward uh, toward the pirates. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, not a lot of confidence in them to uh, to win in, in the playoffs with that rotation. Uh-huh. Uh, so I asked Colin Wires where this number is coming from, our, our director of research at BP, who, who is uh, kind of the, the brains behind the odds. Um, and so he gave me three reasons uh, why they have such a high World Series percentage. The first, kind of the obvious one, is that they have a really high percentage chance of winning the division. Uh, I think we have them... As of Monday, we had them at 98.7% chance of winning the AL Central, which was higher than any other team except the Braves. Uh, and the Braves are our are, are second-ranked team in the, on the playoff odds report. So so that's the, the first thing, is that they have an excellent chance of getting to the postseason. The second thing is that they have the, the highest third-order winning percentage, uh, according to us, which... At this point, makes up the bulk of our estimated winning percentage for teams at this point in the season. So that's based on uh, basically the the underlying numbers of this season: how many runs they've scored, or how many runs they should have scored, and how many runs they should have allowed. Uh, and looking at what their what their kind of underlying winning percentage would be. Uh, so we just think that they are a, a very strong team, basically, and that maybe they their record is not even an indication of, of how good they are. Uh, and of course, they they upgraded a bit potentially at the deadline. Uh, and then the other the third factor is that the the Tigers get an advantage for being an American League team. So they get an advantage in the World Series because of the the league quality adjustment. And 
we still have a, a pretty significant league quality adjustment, which is you know based on uh, on players moving from one league to another and also on interleague play and and the interleague play advantage even this season was was still uh, pretty dramatic as I recall. So there really does still seem to be some gap between the leagues and. So, uh, you know, if a, an AL team and an NL team have the same record, then you, you favor the AL team. Uh, so those are kind of the, the three reasons behind that. And uh, so when we say that the playoffs are a crapshoot, uh, which we at BP have, have sort of said many times over the years, um, there's something to that, but it, it kind of overstates the amount of randomness there is. Uh, and that in the long run, the, the better team does still tend to win the playoff series most of the time. Uh, and so the Tigers get that league quality adjustment and they are a good team and they're very likely to get to the World Series. And all of these things add up to uh, a number that, that seems high, but suggests that we should all go bet on Detroit. Well, this is, of course, all testable. I mean, we have 100 years of, of data, so this seems like something we could pretty easily test, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's easy, but, but yeah. Sure. Um, uh, I'm looking on Bodog and it's, uh, the Tigers are five to one. What did Zachary oh, okay. say? I said six. six to one, but I don't yeah. know if it's changed or I, uh, did not remember correctly. Oh. So when all our listeners go out and bet on the Tigers to win, they could actually maybe, maybe bring the odds down to what they should be then. And what are the what are the Braves and Dodgers, Sam? Uh, the Braves are six to one, and the Dodgers are eleven to two. Oh, okay. And we had the Braves at about thirteen percent prior to Monday, and Dodgers at also just right about thirteen. Pirates eleven to one. Yeah, and how about the Cardinals? Mm, Nine to one. Okay, so they also like the Cardinals more. And, ha- and where are the Reds below the are the Reds longer than the Pirates? Sixteen to one. Yeah, that's what I figured. Okay. The thing I would like to know about that is, do we give in the in the odds of winning playoff series and and winning the World Series, do we give any credit to teams that have top heavy rotations, where you know they might have a, a their third order data and everything might show that they have a five twenty winning percentage. But if you get a team with a top-heavy heavy rotation, it, it might, in actuality, be more in a playoff series. Oh, uh, you just wound Ben up. <laughs> I don't even. I I only vaguely recall what you're referring to. I wrote I wrote an article. Was it was it last season? It seems like so long ago. Uh, about looking at teams with top-heavy rotations versus just well-balanced rotations, and whether one had outplayed or underplayed its its expected winning percentage in the playoffs or something. And as I recall, there was no difference. And I think we discussed it on the podcast and... Uh, I think twice, yeah. And we're confused. <laughs> we, we were confused so you and should, You should bring me on way more often so I can just make things up again. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe I did the math wrong. Um, all right. Well, that was fun. I uh, hope your flight is safe and awesome. Thank you. Um, and uh, we'll have you on again sometime. I appreciate it. All right, so we'll be back tomorrow. Email us at podcast at base. Uh, geez, Ben, is it podcast or podcasts? Just singular podcast. We we Pod- do one podcast, you and I.
I know, but as we've talked about, that email used to serve multiple podcasts, so it mm-hmm. would have made sense mm-hmm. that it might have been podcasts originally. Mm-hmm. Podcast at baseballprospectus.com. We'll answer a bunch of them tomorrow, and um, then we'll stop doing that, mm-hmm. and then we'll do more shows. All right, see ya. <laughs>